welcome to the I'm Healing Podcast. I'm your host and healer, Iris L. Mendez of ILM Healing Solutions. Here, we review healing stories, self-inquiry, and solutions for the soul. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and share, and be sure to follow us on Instagram at the I'm Healing Podcast and at ILM underscore healing. Let's heal. Welcome, welcome to the I'm Healing Podcast. I am your host and healer, Iris L. Mendez of ILM Healing Solutions. Make sure you follow us at ILM underscore healing and at the I'm Healing Podcast. Thank you so much for being here today. This is a bonus February episode. Happy Valentine's Day to those who are celebrating. I was going to prolong this episode for a later date, but something in my soul and spirit said, just record it today. Today, a day of love, a day of self-love. If you are not celebrating, I encourage you to pour a little bit more love into yourself today and to also spread some love. The episode today, I do want to disclaim, it is a trigger warning. Um, I'm going to share some things related to the dating world that are not always roses and flowers and, you know, fruits and everything all peachy keen, right? So... Um, for those of you who have experience with maybe abusive relationships, domestic violence, intimate partner violence, uh, listen to this episode at your own risk. Definitely stop listening if there's anything that shows up for you that's triggering. Um, let's get right to it. So, uh, with the growing population of social media meeting people on social media or online dating i wanted to use today's energy to talk about the importance of uh, women and and safety on dating apps and also share a little bit of my story and experience so i'm not new to dating apps I've been using them on and off, I would say, majority of my adult life. They came out pretty popular and heavy when I moved to Pennsylvania and Philly back in 2011. So I have tried a few dating apps here and there. Um, More recently, I was trying Bumble and trying the idea of conscious consciously dating so consciously dating consciously swiping um not just looking at a guy in a 
attractive face and saying, oh, well, I want to sit on his face, so let me swipe right. <laughs> let me try to match with this person. Consciously dating um, is when you actually really put yourself in the person's energy and read what it is that they're posting about themselves on their site so that you're not just swiping from a shallow place or a place of okay I'm just seeking physical attraction so it started to do that towards the end of last year and allowed myself to be in a space of being courted and and dated of allowing myself to go out on dates and I know that when it comes to the growing population of online dating a lot of that also has to do with our current times that we live in and you know COVID-19 changed the dating world for a lot of people especially if you live in a place where you are mandated to show a vaccine passport to even go out to eat so thinking of the perspective of where you live at how dating might have changed um you know, dating norms might have changed in your area, whether you're dating or not. Maybe you're listening to this and you've been married for years and you're not sure how the game is going these days. This is what it's like. And so I share that because I want to highlight that it's not easy in these streets, okay, in these COVID dating streets. And so when we opt into these dating apps whether it's bumble whether it's hinge whether it's tinder whether it's boo or plenty of fish or facebook date or the pattern connect like there's so many different apps and platforms and ways to meet people we really want to make sure that we are um, protecting ourselves and that we are you know being safe about it all um, and not just necessarily for women, but I specifically say women um, because we we tend to be the, the target of, of um, intimate partner violence and um, dating safety. And so, but I'm disclaiming that to say that it can happen to anyone. And so when you are meeting people on this these apps... <laughs> I have some tips here for you. Um, my main tip that I would say is if you are going to be using, say, let's go with Bumble. It's a dating app. If you're going to be using da- one dating app, I recommend only using at least one at a time. So don't explore on multiple apps at one time. I also recommend that you keep the app active during the duration of when you are actively dating so say for example you match with someone on bumble you fill in the vibes you exchange phone numbers outside of the app and you decide to go ahead and delete the app even though you haven't been on a physical date with this new person yet so that is not a good idea because you want to have any information about the person that you go out with and if some of that can only be retrieved on the app if you delete the app should you need it in the future then 
you kind of set yourself up by no longer having that information. So just some things that I have learned along the way is to, number one, keep your app active. Number two, make sure that you're only exploring on one app at a time. Um, Also set timers for yourself when you are on the app, making sure that you're not overly, um, you know, you're not using a lot of your time on these apps, just overly swiping. So set a 10 minute timer daily, and that's going to be your 10 minute timer to swipe or, you know, peruse different candidates in your area. Um, I also like to say another thing as you're consciously swiping is to maybe keep a list of all the things that you want in an ideal partner. So you can write down two lists, what you want in an ideal partner and then what you want in an ideal relationship because those are two different things. So you can keep that list handy and come up with a set of, you know, questions that you maybe ask the people that you match with in the app before you even allow them to get privileged access to your phone number. So making sure that you are um, speaking to them over the phone in the app and also video chatting with them in the app before you even give out your phone number or before you even meet up with them in person. Now, when you decide that you do want to meet up with someone in person, I highly recommend that you try to gather as much information about them as humanly possible. (laughs) Um, Some people will go across the lengths of looking these people up, making sure that they're not on their state's Department of Corrections list, um, cross-referencing their photo on Google to make sure they don't pop up in other places, or actually paying for a service to look them up. Um, You know, to each their own. (laughs) It's really up to you. The goal is that you are paying attention to the things that they talk to you about, things, maybe people that they mention, if they've given you their date of birth, their place of birth, their place of employment. Um, You know, you want to at least have full name, date of birth, and access to an address of where they could be found if you don't have their exact home address. When you are meeting out, meeting up with these people, um you know, to go on dates, I highly recommend that you go and meet them, that you don't allow yourself to be picked up. Um, that way they don't have access to your, your, you know, where you live. And, you know, you can always have an escape plan should you not feel comfortable and want to leave the date. You don't want to be relying on someone else or your date for the ride. So um, you always want to tell your friends at least two friends as many friends as as possible where you are and who you're with so um you want to give them your exact location so if you're going on a date share your location of where you're at if you are getting in a vehicle share the license plate of what car you're in car make and model to your friends I would honestly say it's important to have this information either emailed to yourself or to another third party, your friend or a family member in the event that something happens to your phone. You want to be able to quickly retrieve the information about the person that you went on a date with. 
The other thing that's important is having pictures of the person. So while, you know, you don't want to go in the in your first date and say, hey, take a selfie with me. Um, I mean, you could, but the rule of thumb is to take a screen recording or a screenshot of the person's entire profile and send it to yourself or a friend before you actually go out with them. So making sure that you have a lot of information about them, pictures, their phone number, their home address, if you have it, their place of employment, if you have it. I mean, I've even had um, moments in my past where I've literally asked a new guy I've gone on a date with if I can take a picture of their license and their actual, you know, ID to send to a friend. And the, the reality is that if any person or guy has, you know, some hesitancy around giving that information to you, <laughs> you should be hesitant about going out with them because they should be trying to make you feel as safe as possible. And if this is what you need to go out on a date with them, then that's what you have to do. And I share all this because um, I unfortunately had an experience of intimate partner violence. And this isn't my first time that I've experienced a partner putting their hands on me. Um, it's happened twice before in my past in two separate relationships and each time that it happened, I pretty much left the relationship altogether. If you have my book, Healing My Four Bodies, you know that I talk briefly in the beginning, Wounds from the Womb, in that chapter about domestic violence and my mother being a domestic violence survivor. And so for me, as a woman who has experienced yet another intimate partner violence experience, it's very, um, it's very frustrating to be here again. But I also know that I'm navigating this all from a place of trauma and a place of unhealed um, guilt, self-shame and blame. And so know that that's a part of the journey for anybody who has experienced domestic violence or intimate partner violence. Um, this specific incident took place in January, January 15th of 2022. And this was with a person who I thought I can trust. And it was, yes, with someone who I met on the dating app. And I thought I vetted them well enough to know certain information about them however that night um i was physically attacked by this person and in the process he stole my phone and so and now i'm navigating more healing on top of navigating you know legal proceedings related to the matter which is why I won't go too, too in-depth into the scenario and what happened. One, I don't want to re-traumatize myself or, or trigger anyone who's listening. Two, there's still a lot of balls um, kind of rolling, if you will, related to the case 
And so at this time, I'm only willing to share what um, my body allows me to and what the courts, I guess, I don't want to say anything that might be used against me in any way. All that to say, um, you know, it was an unfortunate experience. I don't wish this on anyone. My entire life was uprooted. Having to work with an agency for support and having to rely and depend on family and friends for support because everything was pretty much on hold as far as accounts, access to accounts, because my phone was stolen in the process. Even though I have since been able to retrieve the device, there were sensitive information that was accessed. And this feeling of uh, having your sense of security be taken because someone decided that they wanted to violate your space and your physical vessel is a place that I never want anyone to be in. And my personal experience with navigating the law and justice system, unfortunately, also was led from a place of bias for victims. Um, When the police were involved, they did not do their job in proper processing of these types of cases nor proper reporting Um, and I think that my knowledge being a former social worker working in certain emergency rooms you know seeing firsthand certain types of cases trauma sexual assault response cases psychiatric emergencies seeing that firsthand and experiencing it from a professional hat really helped me to understand what to do in my personal case. And so I share these things because you want to make sure that you know that you have rights. And if you ever call the police and whoever is dispatched has you know, bad manners or is inappropriate or doesn't follow through with their job, you can report them. You know, you can call 911 again or the the district and say, can you dispatch other officers? And you want to make sure that when you are involved in any of these types of cases, whether it's a DV case or any case with the police, that you have a witness Um, that witnesses your interaction with the police that you also have it recorded if possible so if the police have any uh, body cams you want to retrieve access to that you want to make sure that you're following chain of command so if those officers you know if you're if you're you want to complain about an officer or you're questioning how they completed their job then you should be following the chain of command I had to follow the chain of command and speak to several sergeants, detectives, and lieutenants in order for something to be done about my situation. And it's unfortunate that I had to do the legwork 
that I had to play my own advocate. I had to play my own attorney. I had to play my own detective. I had to play my own police officer on top of my own caretaker during these times as I'm navigating more trauma and healing. And now in two forms of therapy, my regular psychotherapist and then my adjunct therapist for EMDR, which is going to support me through, you know, getting over this hump of trauma with flashbacks and crying spells that I'm experiencing in addition to poor sleep. So, you know, these are things that I wish that people knew more of, um, you know, to be able to advocate for yourself, to be able to... Um, to understand how processes and protocols work and how you're privileged to certain processes. And if you're not provided that by your district or, you know, whatever law enforcement is in your area, you know, you have a right to ask for for the, the, that protocol to be followed. So I hope to share more of my story a little bit more in depth. Um, you know, all I really wanted this episode to serve was to allow anybody who's listening to make sure that if you are opting into dating apps, right, or meeting people that you don't know from online, that you are ensuring to follow certain safety tips before you even go out with this person, make sure you know a lot of information I think for me knowing certain things or having certain things in certain places helped me especially because my device was stolen um and so being also able to understand that while yes we hope that when we call 911 they're gonna be there and (laughs) and help us the reality is that there's so many cracks in the system and not just from law enforcement even the court systems i mean i've i've received things in the mail from the court that doesn't even belong to me it's other people's information so there's a lot of cracks in the system um systemically that i hope to spread light and shed light on and helping people understand as i share more of my actual story i'm physically still here and alive you know And I won't go into details of what specifically happened to me that night, but I was physically injured. And it's almost as if people didn't take it seriously. And it's sad that as a victim, you have to go through these biases of people not believing or or not not, um, taking you seriously. And so I say that to say, speak up protect yourself advocate for yourself always and know that you know you're not alone i've spoken to many women recently who have experienced some sort of intimate partner violence or coercion of some sort to do something they didn't want to do and i think that as women we need to come together and we need to shed more light on these things and we also need to protect ourselves so if the universe um, if the universe gave me this experience to be the vessel, the physical vessel that was needed in this scenario, 
so that I can come out of it alive and, and be able to share my story and help others, then I fully accept that assignment. And so that is what I'm here to say today is to take care of yourself, love yourself, and love yourself enough to protect yourself by any means necessary. And with all that, that is today's episode. I hope to share more about this journey as I navigate new forms of healing as an intimate partner violence survivor. And so if you have um, any questions, you can email me. Be sure you follow us at IOM underscore healing at the I'm Healing podcast. And as always... Happy healing. Thanks for tuning in to the I'm Healing Podcast. I'm your host and healer, Iris L. Mendez of ILM Healing Solutions. Here we review all healing, stories, self-inquiry, and solutions for the soul. Be sure to like, subscribe, and share. Happy healing.